0: Welcome to Tech Live. Stephanie Christopher here, CEO of The Executive Connection. We connect leaders with a trusted network of people who help them succeed. If I'm great talent, Stephanie, are you going to hire me right this second? Do you know, Leah, I've always thought you're great talent. (gasps) Thank you. Sure. Like Oprah offered that woman in the audience a job once. (laughs) So sure, we'll talk. fantastic. We'll talk. Thank you. However, today I'm talking to serious talent in Dave Munro who is the CEO of Executive Performance Partners. So Dave is passionate about lifelong learning, business and the science of people performance at work. Dave has over 20 years of executive and business psychology supporting leaders to go from good to great. Dave Munro, welcome to Tech Live. Thank
1: you so much for having me, Stephanie.
0: It's great to have you here. I love that bit about the science. Tell me about the science of people performing their best at work.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. One of the things that we're finding out there at the moment is there's a lot of people talking about leadership with not, not necessarily thinking through what it actually means in terms of delivering performance. So part of our thinking behind executive performance partners is how do we link those habits that we know really great leaders have and how do we link that to end outcomes that, that business cares about, be that revenue, be that customer Mm. engagement be that team engagement particularly at the moment and what we're finding is by linking that through clear science and actually being able to show measurable outcomes we're starting to see clients really starting to invest in that sort of thinking.
0: I really like that I can't remember who it was I heard the other day I was a sports person therefore now I'm a leadership expert.
1: Oh absolutely uh, the the comment I uh, heard when I when I started up PPP is everyone's a coach nowadays yeah. uh, what's going to make you different and uh, and I think for, for us, we've got a reasonably controversial view that we think executive coaching was a well-intended concept but has really lacked on the execution. Yeah. Uh, and and it's really easy to hang that shingle up and say that I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're really passionate about saying, well, where's the link to performance? Mm. As a business owner, and know your community is full of business owners, yeah. if we're going to invest in something, how do we actually demonstrate that true return on investment? Whether you're the CEO or the business owner, that link is fundamentally been missing in the market and something that we're, we're really passionate That's about. That's really powerful.
0: I really like it. Okay, so now going back to your background, can you objectively measure leadership? Um,
1: my, my belief is not only can you measure it, you can optimise it. So mm-hmm. measurement for me is really about baselining where people are at mm-hmm. and, and we talk about the good to great journey that you referred to before. Yeah, It's really good to be able to measure that baseline of where mm-hmm. people are at. And then you can measure the great outcomes that they're delivering. My fundamental belief is you can measure it through a whole range of constructs, psych testing, yeah. 360, all the stuff that we've done. But ultimately, nowadays, the the benchmark has increased. We have to be able to measure it in tr- terms of true outcomes, Yes. be that revenue, be it growth, be it customer engagement. Yeah. To me, that's a true hallmark of leadership. Uh, all well and good for it to come from a, a theoretical textbook, harder to demonstrate in terms of the bottom line for businesses.
0: I used to work with a wonderful Professor Dave Bartram yeah. a long time ago, and he used to talk about that. That leadership is simply how effective someone are, is at achieving the outcomes.
1: Absolutely. So there's plenty of uh, leadership theorists that we all know yeah. uh, who post regularly on LinkedIn on what everyone as a leader should be doing. Yeah. To, to me, they lack a little bit of credibility until you can actually demonstrate that in the real world. Mm. Uh, so while uh, you know I'm a psychologist and I've spent 20 years uh, in the in the fields of psychology, I think that psychology. In terms of that science, can really demonstrate it in a measure or a metric that business really cares about. It's it's got to deliver on that bottom line for businesses, and sure, it has to deliver all those lovely soft intangibles in Mm. terms of engagement and customer um, connection. But if it's not creating a more sustainably profitable business, ultimately, it's just going to be a short-term fix.
0: Mm. Really good, very interesting. So. In EPP, with EPP, what level are you working in in organisations?
1: Our, our team are typically coming from either a, a very strong organisational psychology or an executive background themselves. Yep. Uh, and for us, we have a fundamental belief that if you're not impacting at the top of a, an organisation, it's going to be a project. And mm-hmm. we don't really have any interest in projects. Yep. Uh, the, the, the word partnership is absolutely intentional mm. uh, in terms of our uh, vision. So our vision is to create a, commu- a community of great and connected leaders. Mm. For me, leadership has to stop at the, uh, start at the top. Start at the so top. we talk about CEOs and CEO direct reports right. because that's how we can get the biggest amount of impact in the smallest amount of time.
0: And what size businesses are you working with?
1: Uh, Our smallest business uh, has a headcount of 15 and our largest business has a headcount of 175,000 employees. Right, okay. Um, So that that doesn't sound like great customer segmentation, but what we've found is fast growth organisations are absolutely key. Uh, And in this economy at the moment, there's plenty of opportunities for fast growth, but a lot of that growth can be unsustainable if it's Mm. not managed well. Mm. So for us it's really about how do we help organisations to go from good to great but not just in a three-month sprint Mm. but really measuring, if you think of that Jim Collins perspective, it was um, great over 15 years. Yeah, that's right. And that's absolutely our vision is how do we create organisations that are great for not just the next three months but for the next five years, ten years um, or whatever the the case may be in terms of their vision.
0: Really good. Okay, so setting the scene of what all ceos and business owners are facing right now yep well tons of stuff what issues are really keeping your c-suite executives awake
1: at night i think the big one is the fundamental understanding that all ceos get which is what got me here won't get me there yeah and so that that view of reinvention change has never been faster Mm. the economy is has been good but i suspect it's going to get a bit tougher Mm. as organizations we're going to have to be really smart around continuing to evolve as leaders so that we can stay ahead of the market Mm. continuing to do the same tricks uh is, is no longer going to work in our belief yeah. to help organisations continue to grow. So it's this concept of reinvention, mm. realising that I've, I've been doing the same things for a long time and it's got me to, you know, 10 widgets mm. uh, in terms of my business. But if I want to get to 20 widgets, I'm going to have to change the game up.
0: I really like that and it's such a truism. You know, what get, got you here won't get you where you want to go. Yes. What are some of the specific things in reinvention that leaders have to really consider and thrive
1: Uh, for us there's three yeah so the first one is how do we actually measure what performance is Mm. no longer is the concept of just measuring revenue or profit enough for organizations so what are our predictors of what is a very critical outcome yeah and measuring ceo performance measuring ceo director performance while we would assume that that's a really easy thing to do in most organisations, I find setting what we call that scorecard for mm. success has fundamentally been missing. So that's the first part of your equation. And you would
0: do that at the C suite? Oh, you?
1: absolutely. We we won't engage with a client unless we understand what success looks like. Yeah. One of our differentiators is is providing that performance guarantee. So mm. we're essentially taking on the risk with our clients in that yeah. partnership. So if we don't understand what good is mm. right now and what great would be yeah. measured through true business metrics we can't fundamentally take that risk yeah. on with them so i think measurements the first part mm. the second part is understanding this concept of leadership habits mm. and leadership habits is something that we're starting to see the the theorists talk about but for us it's really about what are those one or two habits that are holding you back as Mm. a leader and how do we not just stop doing those things but replace them with highly functional habits Mm. so if i'm a procrastinator how do i get to being a really effective time manager not only for myself but for others if i'm someone who's essentially um, been a uh, manager how do i replace that management with leadership as a habit Uh, and then for me uh, it's really about that retention of top talent. So yep. those are the top three things. Measuring success, habits. identifying the key habits and then um, being able to uh, link that back to cascading it to top talent.
0: So let's get just to the middle one there about mm-hmm. the habits. Mm. So can people change, Dave? Can people really change?
1: Um, their behaviour, mm. yes. the DNA, no. Right. So – for for us, behavioural change and understanding the science behind mm. habit change is absolutely critical. Uh, if any of us wake up one day and decide we're going to go on a fad diet, we yeah. all know how that works. Yeah. That that doesn't lead to long-term behaviour change. Yeah. But there is a huge amount of science in terms of what leads to sustainable behaviour change or, or what we call habit change. Yeah. And it's really uh, in this world around leadership, knowledge became very easy when Google came in. We yeah. can all go and Google what yeah. makes a good leader. Yeah, Putting that into practice mm. is, is harder, but some organisations have done that reasonably well. But embedding it to the point where it becomes an unconscious habit, mm. that's truly what unleashes sustainable performance in our experience.
0: So where does that start? It must start with some insight from the leader then about here's my preference, this is where I'm always going to go to, especially if I'm under pressure, so where do I really want to be and, and what work will I have to do? So I guess that insight comes from, you were saying, 360s or even assessment or what have you.
1: Yeah, look, that, that concept of self-awareness has been mm. something that we've known for a long time. Mm. Uh, and going back to my earlier comments, I think it's been largely a theoretical construct. Yeah. I think back to earlier in my career and thinking mm. that I was measuring leadership just purely by measuring things like psychometrics and 360s, mm. while they're useful inputs – in my experience, they don't tell the true story. So mm. we spend a lot of time talking to the people around, the leaders that we're working with, of what's their intention versus what's their impact. Yeah. And fundamentally we see a big gap there of yeah. leaders, in my experience, rarely go into interactions wanting to have a bad impact. Oh, well,
0: Totally. Right? I, want, I want to turn off and demotivate my whole team.
1: But we see them doing it all the time. And so that gap between what they're meaning to happen and what's actually happening in the Mm. business, if we could close one thing for leaders across Australia right now, it would be closing what we call the intention impact loop.
0: I really like that and I like what you're saying. So let's do a little sidebar here Mm. on assessments. Yes. So there's a world of assessments come out now that say you are are this. Mm Mm-hmm. You are this and you are that. And maybe you are this and that but you don't like
1: this. Yes.
0: And I always kind of bristle at it because I say, well, you're telling someone that they're a type. Yes. Rather than this intention impact is really interesting. What's your view of this kind of stuff?
1: I'm also a big believer that the the typology reports – have some use if managed well but all too often I hear people say I'm a D or I'm an Eagle or a Pink or Or, or whatever the case (laughs) may be and and I'm not anti any framework out there. But when it starts to become an excuse for one's behaviour as opposed to a starting point of a preference, Mm. that's when I see leaders starting to derail Mm. of I'm naturally introverted so people have to come and talk to me. Mm. Well, no, as a leader that's your preference Mm. to be introverted but your behaviour becomes a choice. I'm Mm. a big fan of uh, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and ultimately knowing as a leader that you have the choice no matter how tough the circumstances around Mm. you. is is a fundamental mindset piece that Mm. I think for as leaders we need to embrace. The world's going to continue to change faster and faster. Mm. If we stay still, we're we're, going to become relatively redundant by Mm. what is a bright, smart next generation coming through. We talk about all of their downsides. They're an incredibly smart bunch. They're a, naturally what I would call change natives. They're used to a world that changes. For those of us who are 40 plus and looking at the world, we're going to have to learn to evolve faster and Mm. that's ultimately coming down to self-awareness and then a focus on what's working versus what's not.
0: I really like it and I think you just touched on something that I'm seeing, it's speed. Mm. And it's people actually have a greater capacity for moving at pace than I think traditionally organisations give them credit for.
1: Absolutely. Early mm. on in my career when we were doing things like executive coaching, mm. you might talk to your coach once a month and yeah. ask how the, the kids' soccer game went yeah. and check in and, and, it, and it became what one of my clients beautifully phrased corporate-sponsored counselling.
0: Yes. What yeah. we're seeing
1: now is that the leaders that we work with, we're not just talking in the monthly, we're not even talking fortnightly. There's a minimum once-a-week touchpoint and mm. actually – our clients are engaging in a conversation around their development. Mm. They're checking in. We're, we're big um, believers in the Marshall Goldsmith leadership as a contact sport, mm-hmm. which tells us five hours of development essentially has the same amount of impact on our development as a leader as five minutes It's the frequency of the touch points that matter more than the duration. And Mm. so we're talking about just-in-time, short, sharp conversations of the board has dropped this on my table and I have no idea what to do or I have this challenge with a direct report or I have this challenge with a client. You can't wait a month for that conversation to happen. So it's ultimately having someone in your back corner who you can – um, get seek advice from and act in the moment mm. as opposed to storing up some sort of library of development conversations for three weeks from now.
0: Yeah, interesting. So let's talk about retention of team right now. Yes. And, you know, well, the great resignation, which we've spoken about on Tech Live, that landscape shifting as well because some of the big tech giants have freezers on right now.
1: 100%. And
0: so even thinking about for my team – that idea of well, I could always go there and and get the big bucks and have the big career. That's that's not an option right now.
1: Absolutely, and we're we're seeing the economy changing. You know, we uh, around now we're talking about rate rises, we're talking about inflation. Mm. Certainly, business is going to get harder. And I have a fundamental belief that the Great Resignation is an opportunity for the right brands. Yeah. Uh, Talent has never been more fluid. It's never Mm. been more attracted to great employers. Mm. And so I'm definitely seeing some organisations struggle during this great resignation. And I'm seeing emerging brands picking up talent that otherwise they couldn't compete with Mm. because of that sense of connection with Mm. the individual. Uh, It is getting increasingly tough for big brands to pick up that top talent because of that sense of connection that – Uh, what we would call emerging fast growth businesses really have an opportunity to do. However, there's a science behind it and it's not just go out and talk about um, what you can offer them as an employer. It's genuinely connecting with that individual's career and how you as a leader can help them accelerate their ambitions within the context of your growing organisation.
0: I like that. Um, We had someone, Didier Danzinger, years ago who used to say on an employee's first day he would sit them down and say, How can I get you to your next career move?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the best pieces of research I'm seeing around this will, will actually show that it that turnover is relatively predictable. Uh, as to your, to your listenership, Steph, I, I would ask them to think, when was the last time I had a truly great career conversation? Yeah. Not job, not performance, career conversation with my direct reports. And I'm sorry to say, but if that's more than three months ago, it's likely that you're missing a great opportunity. As leaders, we need to be constantly involved in the careers Mm. of our top talent, Mm. knowing that that may not always be with us, Mm. but knowing that if we don't, we're not brave enough to have that conversation, Mm. they'll essentially wake up one day and decide they're going down the road. So as leaders, and I talk to CEOs and business owners every day, we're encouraging them to be brave enough to have that conversation around what's working well in your career right now, where are you heading and how can I help you get there? Mm. That is the new loyalty. We're no longer loyal to a brand. We're mm. loyal to leaders who help me grow my career.
0: And so naturally by having that conversation, you may be able to add more value to their career path and keep them there for longer.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I'm seeing in the brands that we're working with increasing retention despite the Mm. uh, great resignation. And when we're looking at those who they weren't able to retain, invariably there was a gap between our understanding of what that person wanted from their career and what um, they actually wanted. Closing Mm. that gap is absolutely critical. Even if that means that at some point that person is going to leave our brand, it is far more likely that they will A, return and B, have a positive thing to say about a brand if we're brave enough to lean into that career conversation with your top talent.
0: Mm, Really good. So something I'm seeing um, CEOs and business owners struggle with right now is salaries. Yes. And… And a reminder for most people that they're not hiring people on the minimum wage. Yes. Uh, But with the noise around and politics and prices, how are you finding that your best leaders are dealing with this situation right now?
1: They're not competing on salary. Right. So I would say that the best leaders are recognising that salary is a hygiene factor. Yeah. But ultimately, they're getting to that individual and saying what is important to them. So, long standing company policies of how here's how we manage uh, REM uh, to me are failing. It's a conversation that we need to be able to be brave enough to have with those individuals, particularly for CEOs and business owners with their top talent Mm. and actually going, what is more important to you? Is having Thursday afternoon off to go to your children's gymnastics event more important than a salary increase? Is uh, some long term uh, development more important to that Mm. individual? Ultimately, for me, salary is something that gets us over the line, but Mm. it's not a retention strategy. No. It's truly just a hygiene factor.
0: I mean, that's reassuring, isn't it, for businesses if they're being successful in that way?
1: Absolutely. I can think of a a number of stories in the last couple of weeks where top talent has been tapped on the shoulder. Mm. And if you think your people aren't being tapped on the shoulder as leaders – I'm sorry Someone to tapped
0: me last night, there actually, we go. but I can't even be bothered replying. There we go. Did you say yes? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: um, You're hearing it here first, day. There, we, there I, we go.
0: I ignored it. Good, yeah.
1: good. What we're seeing, though, is the ability to lean into a conversation. Mm. It sounds, for scientists, a scientist, quite a controversial thing to say, but the art of conversation as a leader with our people, to me that's the one thing that's going to differentiate us from a big brand. And we're seeing all across town people turning down big offers to stay if they're feeling connected to their leader. Mm. I, I'm a big uh, fan of saying that people join brands but leave leaders. Yeah. Um, if they're leaving and they're saying that it's um, just money, to, to me, if that's coming as a surprise to us, then we we've, we've let ourselves down as leaders. We need to understand what truly is their recipe and sometimes we're not going to be able to retain them mm. but we shouldn't be surprised when someone leaves if mm. that's the case. If
0: that's the case. So those conversations, if it's a bigger organisation, more than 15 – so then it's important that the C-suite can empower the managers to have those conversations or would you say skip conversations and have the C-suite having those discussions?
1: Where possible, I, I would believe it would be both. Mm. So it would be sitting down with the individual as a leader saying what is important to you in your career coming together almost with a business proposition for the C-suite of if we want to retain this top talent mm. person, these are the things that are important to them individually. Mm. So we talk about salient. What what matters to that individual mm. is far more uh, effective than rolling out a wellness program for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Because for some people that will be incredibly hell. important and, and for some be people hell of it will actually be disengaging. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Are you going to really make me do that, Pilates? Thing? Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: The, uh, yoga and spandex is, is, is not <laughs> always everyone's best friend. But for one individual that will be critical for retaining them, mm. particularly bright young talent coming through, wellness is even more mm. important than it's ever been. But offering that same thing to someone who just wants to be able to, ta- to work from home on a Thursday, my view is that you can actually have a far more customised model mm. than a one-size-fits-all.
0: Mm, I like it. How are CEOs – and this isn't counselling right here, Dave. This isn't – we're not talking about me one bit. How are CEOs keeping themselves motivated and driven coming off the back of two rotten years mm-hmm. – and heading into some serious headwinds
1: absolutely and it's it's going to get tougher out there yeah so for us performance is most effective when it's seen as a series of sprints yeah uh for someone who is having a good it day when his laptop is not on fire um (laughs) i actually believe that it got this right that we can't plan out performance over the next two years yeah uh No one has a crystal ball of what the world looks like in two years from now. But being able to break down a vision into a series of three-month sprints Mm. uh, is where we're seeing leaders really engage their people. Mm. Anything less than three months and it feels exhausting, we're back Mm. to that planning cycle again. Mm. But anything more than three months, the the reality is the world's moving so fast we couldn't possibly know what Mm. true performance factors are going to be there in 12 months from now.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is. The, I mean, that model's becoming far more popular, isn't it? That really mm. agile approach. Yep. What are the biggest mistakes that leaders are making right now?
1: Uh, more is not more. So oh. when it comes to performance, it's been brave enough to boil it down to what are the top three focus areas for that individual. Mm. We know um, as humans and, and, and again, with that psychology background, there becomes a diminishing rate of return. Mm. I'll walk into large organisations and ask them what their strategic priorities are uh, and without naming them, one organisation a couple of months ago told me they had 127 (laughs) strategic priorities. (laughs) And when I asked how many of them had been completed in the last six months, the answer was shockingly low. Being able to break that down to what are the top three right Mm. here, right now for Mm. each individual to execute, Mm. The, the stats are pretty clear if we can keep it to three or lower compared to more mm. there's about an 84 percent chance that will improve um, completion of those strategic projects mm. so while we think that we're uh, being smart by loading people up mm. where i'm seeing organizations really see that churning of the or spinning of the wheel yes, as opposed to true execution. And, and for me, it's really about helping organisations to execute and then reprioritise, execute and reprioritize. It's nice. And as a leader, we have to be brave to go, yes, that strategic impo- uh, priority is important, but it's not possible right now. Let's review in three months if it comes into our top three. Yeah,
0: I think that's good. Can you give me an example of a leader who's gone from, intention to outcome really effectively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can think of a a CEO of a large uh, childcare organisation that we Mm -hmm. work with uh, who prior to working with us had been working with an executive coach, Mm -hmm. uh, one I respect immensely, Mm -hmm. uh, for nine years. And what we found uh, walking in there was uh, his intent versus impact could not have been more different. Mm. Uh, He thought he was bringing the team together. What Mm. we found was that we were actually seeing that team fracture Mm. uh, in terms of some internal dynamics. Mm. Within three months, that leader has turned that team completely around to be what I think is one of the highest performing executive teams potentially that I've I've worked with. And it all came down to him recognising that uh, his people were not, the the immediate answer he needed to demonstrate a change in his own behaviour right. to allow the team to actually go it's okay to accept that what we're doing right now is not working and we've seen a, a huge amount of behavioural shift individually and collectively by recognising what got us to this point was no longer working for us yeah. and that we needed to take on a whole new uh, array of behaviours. Mm and then measure what was working versus what wasn't working from a behavioural perspective.
0: Mm, Really interesting. Great conversation. So I've heard intent to impact. Absolutely. Habits. Yes. And retention of your people. And that's about the conversations that you're having, the career conversations that senior people are having with individuals, and that can really shift the dial.
1: Absolutely, and, and I think going back to that point, it, it's very much about measuring outcomes. Yeah. So as in, uh, as organisations, we became obsessed with measuring inputs. Yeah. And I think particularly in this hybrid world of work, where yeah. we we can't peer over someone's shoulder and see what they're doing, yeah, the the truly great leaders that we're seeing out there are are shifting to a world of work where, like leaders, the outcome is important. Yeah. the input becomes less of a, of a factor. But that takes some bravery. It, as a leader, it takes that ability to say, you know what, I, I trust you to deliver on these outcomes uh, as opposed to micromanaging all of those lead indicators. Boy,
0: that's a big call. That's a bit contentious because there's a lot of thought leaders out right now saying it's all about the lead indicator.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I, I would agree with that, but those lead I- indicators are outcomes Ultimately, down in the uh, right, okay. which might be profitability. Right. So, if we go from a sales environment, yeah, uh, you know, the, the old measure of you need to make twenty-seven phone calls per hour to be an effective salesperson. Yes. Ultimately, drives the wrong behaviours. We're mm. seeing organisations with their sales forces working from home, who are seeing activity that they've never seen before, yeah. elevated, yeah. but it not translating through to outcomes. Yes. And in a world where we can't listen in on that person's mm. phone call, where we can't check that mm. that customer interaction is ideal, we're, we're sacrificing quality for quantity. But what we're seeing is the best organisations are going at measuring the, the link between those inputs, mm. activity and the outcomes mm. and where that link is not working, they're diving in by exception to understand how do we lift quality in those environments.
0: There's some real gold here. There's some really interesting things and I think the biggest takeaway is it's about outcomes and brave and successful leaders are really focusing on the outcome and working back from there with their team in an agile, fast-paced, contemporary way.
1: Absolutely. That
0: was great. Absolutely. Dave Munro, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having us. Cheers, Seth.
0: Discover more about tech at tech.com.au.